Welcome back. Episode 140. Episode 140 IKP. We about to get it started right now. We about to get it started right now. I'm gonna let this rock. to get into today a lot to get into nba is coming back this week we had a great opening weekend of baseball we got some big news in the nfl a lot of headlines to get into we're gonna get in soon we're gonna get into them for sure for certainly let's get into it right now so welcome back, everybody, to another episode of the IKP, episode 140, episode 140, episode 140 of the Isaac Podcast. We are rolling, we are rolling, we got some sports back. I hope everybody out there is healthy and wealthy, um, wearing their mask. I hope everybody out there is taking all the necessary precautions to prevent COVID-19 or any other uh, sicknesses or disease that's out there. Uh, I hope everybody is taking, being healthy, being safe. Um, I am um, your host, I'm your highly favored, uh, humbled, highly favored host, Isaiah Kitt. So we're going to get into it. Um, we, 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 we had a big weekend. We had a big weekend. Um, in the previous episode, <clears throat> I talked about Jamal Adams and his latest comments towards Adam Gase. And we all know about the trade by now. Jamal Adams was traded to the Seahawks. Um, the Seahawks gave a, I mean, the Jets got a boatload from the Seahawks. The Jets got two first rounders, a third rounder, and a starting safety. Um, so I basically predicted it. I basically predicted it. I said, looking, you know, with, with the, those those last comments that Jamal Adams made about Adam Gase, I was like, it's no way he's gonna be able to stay in that locker room. It is no way he's going to be able to stay in that locker room. And I, and I said, that is a one-way ticket out of New York. And that's what Jamal Adams wanted. He wanted out. He wanted out. He wanted out. He wants to play for a winner. Now, let's break down the trade. I'm going to break down the trade from both teams' perspectives. Let's start with the Seattle Seahawks. Because I, me personally, I would rather want to be the Seattle Seahawks. I have a superstar quarterback in Russell Wilson. I have a solid head coach in Pete Curl, and I just acquired a I just acquired a defensive superstar. Now, this move by the Seahawks, even though I would rather be the Seahawks, I I I think the Seahawks gave up a lot. They gave up a lot. They gave up the kitchen sink and some more. The Seahawks gave away a boatload, and. I was very surprised when I saw the details of this trade. Because when I saw the details of this trade, I'm like, no, no way, no way. They gave away two first-rounders, a third-rounder, and Bradley McDougal, who is a, a he's, not, he's not Jamal Adams, obviously, but he's a starter. He's a, he's, a, he's a solid, capable starter in this league. <laughs> like, he's not a bad player. But... I get it. Jamal Adams, um, he's a, I, in my opinion, I think he's a top 10 player in football. Um, I, I, think he's, uh, I think he's well on his way into, into a Hall of Fame career. But the, the Seattle Seahawks gave up too much. And this got me thinking. You know, I, I, always, I talk about Russell Wilson on this podcast a lot. And I often credit him. Um, but I've been crediting him for the last few years and his performances, what he's been doing with this Seahawks team for the last few years. Because when we think of the Seahawks, we think of, you know, well, in recent history, uh, we think of them as a winning franchise, as a winning culture. They win a lot of games. Well, in the last few years, the Seahawks has had massive holes in their roster. And let's just start with their offensive line and their D-line. They can't, they don't, they, 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 they can't rush the quarterback and they can't protect their own. 
Their offensive line is bad, and their defensive line is bad. And I feel like this is this this Jamal Adams move feels more. It feels like a move that's covering up massive issues with the Seattle Seahawks team because there there's massive issues. And I think they're a Super Bowl team with the coach that they have, with the with the superstar quarterback that Russell Wilson is. Um, and then you know, adding what you add on defense with Jamal Adams, and then you have guys like Bobby Wagner. I think this is a, a playoff and a leg- I think it's, I think they're a Super Bowl contender. I think they're Super Bowl contenders. But this seems like it's a move that's a desperate move. And I've been talking about these desperate moves within the NFC West, especially. Because the 49ers are so, their roster is so well put together. And actually, before, before I even get into that, like I told you guys, I think of Seattle as a Super Bowl contender. I think a lot of people do. I think a lot of people think of the Seahawks as a legit Super Bowl contender. Well, let's do this. Let's compare Seattle to other Super Bowl contenders. And when you think of the other Super Bowl tenders, you have like Baltimore, the 49ers, the Chiefs, the Saints. Those are like the four teams that we think are Super Bowl contenders. Chiefs, primarily Chiefs, Ravens, and 49ers. But you can add the Saints in there too. When I look at those four teams, I mean, I'm not saying they don't have their flaws. And Baltimore don't really have the holes. But outside of like the 49ers. They don't have massive floor, fl- flaws. The 49ers have a strong O-line, really good D-line, probably the best D-line in football. They, 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 they don't have too, so many holes. When I compare the Seahawks, off, the Seahawks roster to the Saints roster, the Saints look more complete. They look more complete. Baltimore, I think, has the best roster in football. Kansas City seems much more, it seems complete. It seems much more complete than the Seahawks roster. That's what I'm getting. That's what I'm getting to. It's, it, 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 you know, when you compare the other Super Bowl contenders with the Seahawks, it, 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 I'm, I don't want to say it's lopsided, but on the offensive line and the defense line, because those two units in particular are really big. They're, they're, I mean, they're, they're really huge because you got to be able to have, you got to be able to rush the quarterback and you got to be able to protect your own. And the Seahawks on O-line or D-line, I mean, bad, bad O-line, and their D-line can't rush the passer. Their best defensive lineman last year, he's a run stopper. Clowney was a run stopper. He's not really a pass rusher. Clowney's really a run stopper. So, when you know, I think this, you know, with this Seahawks move, I, I do think they get better. I don't want to. I don't want to. I don't want to sound like I'm saying the, the you know this, this is a bad move and you know no. I don't want to make it sound like that. But they are going to be better in their back end. Um, Pete Curl is a former defensive back coach, so Pete Curl, I'm sure he's going to utilize the hell out of Jamal Adams. He's gonna he's gonna put Jamal Adams in all types of positions all around the field. And Jamal Adams will be productive because he's a great player. Not saying that, you know, Seattle's not going to be a good team. I think, hell, I think they might win their division. But when we're talking, but but I just look at the Seahawks team. Like, look at last year. Seattle had the 26th ranked defense last year. And if you look at Seattle's, look at all their games. Look at all their results. Go back and look at Seattle's, look at all of their results from last year. And it's very Russell Wilson dependent. And there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, because Russell Wilson's a great, great, great quarterback. But it's like Russell Wilson has to play. I mean, he has to play extra well for them to win games. They were winning games by the skin of their teeth. But like, look, that's what I'm saying. Compare it. Kansas City, 40, the, the 49ers. The Ravens, those three teams last year dominated. They they completely dominated their opponents. The Seahawks, 
didn't dominate their opponents. The Seahawks all all out of their twelve wins that the Seahawks last year that out of the twelve wins that the Seahawks had last year, they only won one game by seven points or more. So you know what that's telling me? That's telling me that in critical situations, late game situations, in the clutch moments, in the clutch spots, that means Russell Wilson is happening to make. It's gonna. He has to make some Superman type play. That's what that's telling. He, that, that's telling me that he has to make a Superman-like play to get the Seahawks over the hump. That is what that's telling me. And when I compare the Seahawks to all these other Super Bowl contenders, it, it, these other Super Bowl contenders have more complete rosters. They have a complete roster. 40, the 49ers have a com- they're well-balanced. O-line, D-line, receivers, running backs. Linebacking core, secondary that can use some improvement. Baltimore, but I mean, look at Baltimore. Baltimore is stacked. Baltimore got one of the best, sec- probably the best secondary in football. Baltimore got um, a top five defense in football. Baltimore has a great O line. <laughs> Baltimore has a great D line. So when you know, and you know, offensively their scheme is relevant. The forty, I often complain about. How the Seahawks offense, it seems outdated. The Seahawks offense seems outdated. Pete Carroll, his, you know, his defense hasn't been working the last few years. Like, the defensive schemes that the Seahawks been using for the last few years has not been effective. It has not been worse. Because for the last three years, their defensive rank has gone down. And like I mentioned already earlier, they, their defense ranked 26 their defense ranked 26 last year. That is bottom half. So, you know, I think this Jamal Adams move, it makes them a better team, certainly. And they are the better team, you know, when you compare them against the Jets. <laughs> but it doesn't take much to be better than the Jets right at this moment. But when we're talking about the Seahawks, we're talking about the 49ers, the Chiefs, the Ravens, the Saints. And when you compare their rosters to the Seahawks roster, it's damn near night and day. The only saving grace, the saving grace of the Seattle Seahawks is Russell Wilson. That is the saving grace of the Seattle Seahawks. He's saving them. He's saving them. I mean, Pete Curl has missed on a bunch of draft picks, and that's all it is. Seattle is trying to, they, 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 they went out and acquired Jamal Adams because they're trying to fill the void of draft of missed draft picks that they have missed in the last few years. They have they have just screwed up so many draft picks in the last few years that with Jamal Adams, they're trying to they're trying to make grant they're trying to make up ground off of bad draft picks in the last few years. And like I said, when you compare it to the other Super Bowl rosters, it's damn near night and day. And the only saving grace the only saving grace that's the, the saving grace of the Seahawks is Russell Wilson. And the reason why they have a chance against these teams is because of Russell Wilson. Simple as that. So after I went on that tangent, let's move on to the Jets perspective. The Jets went into this situation. The Jets and Joe Douglas, the Jets GM, if you don't know, um, they went into this situation with Practically no leverage. Like, the little bit of leverage that the Jets had was that Jamal Adams was under contract for two more years. But after his comments about Adam Gase, and, I mean, he's made multiple comments about Adam Gase. Um, he demanded a trade. Basically, the league, the, like, a lot, a lot, all of the league knew that the Jets was going to have to trade Jamal Adams. So that leaves the Jets with no leverage. But with the Jets actually getting two first-rounders, a starter at safety, and a third, that the Jets, the, what the Jets got from the Seahawks, that, you know, that Steeler trade, the Steelers and Dolphins trade uh, between Mega Fitzpatrick, that the, that, the, the Jets trade actually makes that Steeler trade look like a steal. 
Because all the, the, the Steelers gave up a first rounder for Minka Fitzpatrick. One first rounder for Minka Fitzpatrick. And I know Minka Fitzpatrick, I don't think he's as good as Jamal Adams, but the gap is not wide. Like Minka Fitzpatrick is a really good safety. And he had a and he had a really good and he had a really good year last year. And they, the Steelers only gave up a first rounder. They only gave up a first rounder. One first rounder for, for Minka Fitzpatrick. <laughs> Seahawks gave up two first rounders and a third and a starter. So I think that is good news, and I think that's the positive side with the Jets. But as I explained on the previous episode when I was discussing and breaking down the Jets' dysfunction, um, the Jets are not in a good situation. And Joe Douglas is he, he came into a broken situation. Joe Douglas, let's be honest, let's just be honest. He came into a broken situation. And often on this podcast, I talk about how you should build an NFL team. You should draft your star quarterback. You should draft your your young rookie quarterback and surround him with the best possible talent. Like, like, like Baltimore and Kansas City did. Baltimore, Baltimore gave Lamar Jackson all the time in the world. Now you look at Baltimore's like look at Baltimore's, look at like literally look at Baltimore's roster today. <laughs> they have the best roster in football. Look at their roster today. They have the best roster in football. Kansas City with Mahomes. Mahomes, Mahomes before he got the big time deal, Mahomes getting paid nothing. The, 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 the Chiefs wasn't paying Mahomes nothing. I mean, not what he's worth, at least. And they surrounded him with all that talent. That got them a Super Bowl. Baltimore did it with Lamar Jackson. I think eventually, I mean, perhaps this year, it's going to probably reward them with a Super Bowl. But when I'm looking at the Jets, they're going totally backwards. They're, 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 they're losing stars. They're trading away their stars. They're losing their productive players to free agency. I talked about Robbie Anderson last week. They, Robbie Anderson was cheap. He was dirt cheap. It was no reason why the Jets could not resign him. They're not paying anybody. The, the only people that the only players that they're paying is C.J. Mosley and Le'Veon Bell. They're not paying anybody. So that's why I said, hey, let's just let's just be honest. Joe Douglas is in a crappy situation. He's in a broken situation. That was caused by um, by previous administrations, and now, and to a certain extent, he's kind of exacerbated the situation. He hasn't made it any better, but this is a start. Um, I, I think with the situation that he was in, going into the 2021 draft, he has five picks in the first three rounds. Two of those picks are in the first round. So I think that's a start. But I'm going to be honest with you. I'm going to be brutally honest with all the Jets fans out there. You're going to be a last place team. Even in the questionable AFC East, you're not better than Baltimore. I don't think you're going to be better than New England. And I think Miami's going to be better than you. You're going to be a last place team in the AFC East. You are. This is a messy situation. You're going to be in last place in the AFC East. As simple as that. You are. <laughs> it's as simple as that. You are. You're going to be in last place. You're going to be in last place. You're going to be dead last place in your division. Because I, 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 like, I went on a tangent on this on the previous podcast. Uh, <laughs> I've said that a couple times already now. But with this Jets situation, it's such a bad situation for Sam Donald to be in. Because he's a young quarterback, the Jets aren't paying him anything. And usually in this league, that is the best way to capture a Super Bowl. That, 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 is, a, that is the best way to capture a Super Bowl. I, I mean, like I, I told you guys when, um, when, when Patrick Mahomes signed the big-time deal. He's the highest-paid quarterback in the league now. The last time the highest-paid quarterback in the league won the Super Bowl, was in 1994 with Steve Young in the 49ers. That was the last time that it happened. But usually this league is a hard cap salary league. It's a hard, it's a hard cap league. 
Salary cap is yay big. So when you're paying, you're paying your quarterback, you're paying your star d- defensive lineman, your star cornerback, your star receivers, your star, excuse me, your O-line. Your salary cap is thin. It's thin. So when you have a star quarterback on his rookie deal, go out there and make the best of the situation. Go out there and get him all the necessary talent and the stars to surround him with so you can make a run for a Super Bowl. Instead, the Jets have done the completely opposite. (laughs) They have lost stars. They have lost their productive players to free agency. And they traded away their best player this past weekend. They're going the opposite direction. That is what you call going into the opposite direction. Um, but we're going to move on. Um, you know, we, we spent about 20 minutes on that, on that Jamal Adams trade. I was really excited to come in here and tell you guys about that or to explain my or give my opinion on that. Um, I think the Seahawks gave up a lot. <laughs> they... I think a lot is an understatement, uh, but they they gave up a lot. The Seahawks gave up a lot of the farm. They gave up a lot of their farm, and, you know, the Jamal Adams, I think, like I said, I think he's going to be a good player. I think he he is a great player. Not I think. No, he is a great player, and he's well on his way to a Hall of Fame career. But, and I think he'd be productive with Seattle, I think Pete Curl, like I said, Pete Curl is real. He is excellent with defensive backs and the usage of them. So I think I think Jamal Adams will be all around the field. He'll be used in different situations, uh, and, and he'll be he'll be a bona fide playmaker, and he'll definitely make the Seattle's defense better. But Seattle has a lot of holes. They have a lot of holes that needs to be fixed. They and I, I saw this I saw this um this statement posed on, on on Twitter um last night. And somebody had said the and I forgot. I, I wish I could shout you out, but I forgot who said it. But somebody said the Seahawks would have been better off trading two first rounders or a first rounder for Joe, for uh, offensive guard Joe Thune um from the Patriots. And I agree. It's a it's a weakness in there. It's a weakness on their team. Offensive line they desperately need, um, and they've been needing offensive line for years. And to be, like I said, Bradley Bradley McDougal and Quadre Diggs that was a good safety situation that they had. Their safety situation was fine. It, it, it was fine, but. Jamal Adams is better than Bradley McDougal, but they gave up a lot. The Jets gave up a lot. I mean, I mean, the, the Seahawks gave up a lot, and the Jets had no leverage. The Seahawks had most of the leverage. The Seahawks had most of the leverage because, I mean, everybody in the league know, all the teams in the, in the league knew that the Jets was going to have to trade Jamal Adams after his latest comments the Jets had no leverage, and they still came out pretty good on the other end. And the Seahawks came out pretty good on the other end. But when you compare the Seahawks, of course the Seahawks are better than the Jets. Of course you would rather be in the Jet, and you of course you would rather be in the Seahawks situation. But what when you compare them to the 49ers and the Chiefs and the Ravens? You know the old, especially the O line, D line unit. It's not great. It is not great. It's not great at all. Okay, before I get into this uh, top one hundred list that the NFL does with the players, which is a bad list. I mean, this list is horrible. Before I get into that, I wanna. Um, so I saw this floating around social media, and. Uh, so apparently KFC, Kentucky Fried Chicken, is they're now selling Crocs. And I'm just wondering, you know, I don't know if that's a sign of how bad the economic flow is with KFC. I don't know. I don't know. But anytime a business that was selling chicken and potato wedges 
go from selling chicken to Crocs? That's that's a, is that a sign or not? I don't know. Is that a sign? Is that a sign to anybody that uh you know I don't know it, it, it would I mean has has the pandemic really of I mean the pandemic would it do some to some of these businesses? The pandemic would it do to some of these businesses? Good God. KFC is now, and I'm, I've never been a huge fan of KFC, but they're now selling Crocs. Oh boy, okay. I don't, I don't, I don't know which, which is crazier. Uh, what I'm about to tell you or that? I don't know. I don't know if I can top that, but I'm gonna try to. So the NFL, they do this top 100 players list uh, on a yearly basis, and um, they've been doing it for like the last. Mm, what, like eight years, eight, seven years, they've been doing this list, they've been having this list, uh, and the players pick it, and, you know, the players really don't get it right, and it's really bad, and it's not good. It's really more of a popularity contest, kind of, sort of, you know, you got the measurables, you got good stats, they go, I, I don't know, I don't know how these players pick it, but get a grip of this. So, Josh Allen, I saw a lot of people Enrage on Twitter uh, for the last couple days about this uh, top 100 players list. And Josh Allen cracked the list, and he's at 87. <laughs> 87. And I'm a fan of Josh Allen. I think, he, I, think he has a, I think he probably has one of the strongest arms in the league. And, you know, he's a big, tall guy, athletic. Everybody likes him. And Carson Wentz didn't make the list. Um, Ryan Tannehill made the list. Kirk Cousins made the list. And I'm not, I, you know, Ryan Tannehill and Josh Allen, they're not top 100 players in the NFL. Sorry. They're, they're, they're not. They're just not. They're not top 100 players in the NFL. And I'm going to tell you why. Josh Allen is ranked at 87. In his 27 career starts, he has a 56 completion percentage. That is bad. That is bad. Like, 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 that is bad. Cam is, I think Cam's career completion percentage is like 58 or 59. Josh Allen's is 56. And then get this. We love, the, we love to talk about the quarterbacks and how they play against high-level competition and not just the bottom feeder teams. Well, let's just take this into account. Josh Allen has played the New England Patriots a total of three times. He's never won a game. And it's not the fact that he hasn't won a game. He just looks absolutely porous. He looks atrocious. He looks he looks god-awful when he plays the Patriots. Last year in the wild-card round against the Houston Texans, the Houston Texans team, that is, that's really not that good. It's very Deshaun Watson-dependent. Um, yeah, Josh Allen blew the lead in that wild card game. Um, and you know, he, he, he just, he's very raw. I think he does have some, I think he, like, his arm talent is pretty good. But I think the players around the league, they like the fact that he's 6'6", he's tall, he's athletic, he can run over guys. He, you know, he, he, he's a, he has a strong arm. He got to the playoffs last year. But let's just let's just let's just be honest. And I and I'm I'm pretty big on Josh Allen. I like Josh Allen as a quarterback. I like him more than others do. But I can tell you, I don't like him that much. Where he cracks my top 100 list? Hell no. He, hell no. He's just not. He, I mean, he shouldn't be. He shouldn't be yet. He shouldn't. Be. He's not. He's not a top 100 player. Carson Wentz should be in this list. Carson Wentz did not make the list, by the way. And I'm gonna get to that next. But. Josh Allen is not a top 100 player in the NFL. Sorry. They have Levante David. They have Levante David. They have Josh Allen ahead of Levante David. You, Levante David at 89? Levante David at 89? He's at 89? So you're telling me Josh Allen is a better quarterback than Levante David is at linebacker? Get the hell out of here. Josh Allen's not even a top 10 quarterback. Hell, is Josh Allen a top 15 quarterback? Is he even a top 15 quarterback? I mean, let's just be honest. Is it, let's, just, let's just put this out on the table. What Buffalo did last year 
and I like Doug McDermott. I I, I like I, I like I like Sean McDermott, uh, Buffalo's head coach. I love their defense. That is why that that's why the Bills were successful last year. And I want and I don't want to downplay Josh Allen because he did have a good year last year. I think he had a pretty solid solid year, and I actually think he's gonna have. A better year this year because of the addition of Stephon Diggs. But that is that Buffalo Bills team is a team with good coaching, with a really good defense, and a raw talented quarterback. But Josh Allen, he, he he's not the face of the Bills. He's not the he's not he's not the saving grace of the Bills. Josh Allen isn't what Deshaun Watson is to the Texans. He's not that to the Bills. Deshaun Watson, like, they need, like, the Texans need Deshaun Watson to play well. If Deshaun Watson doesn't play exceptionally well, they lose. If if Josh Allen plays okay, the Bills can still win because they have a good they have a good ground game. They're well coached. They have a they have a great they have a top five, top ten defense. Josh Allen, that's not the story of Buffalo. The story in Buffalo is Sean McDermott in that defense. That is what got them to the playoffs. Not Josh Allen. He was not, he was not the leader of the pack. He wasn't the head honcho. Simple as that. Now let's get the Carson Wentz. Oh boy, boy, boy. Oh boy. You know what? I, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna. I, Cause I, you know, I'm by the way, by the way. By the way, I'm this on this podcast. I'm for the next twenty minutes. For the next probably like ten minutes, actually, not twenty. But for the next ten minutes, I'm probably I'm going to be defending Jimmy Garoppolo and Carson Wentz. Jimmy Garoppolo, go, I mean Carson Wentz, going to go first. Carson Wentz did not make the top one hundred list. Hmm. Why is that? So this list is voted on. It's voted by players. So my guess is that players around the league, they hold that Nick Foles Super Bowl run over Carson. They they hold that over Carson Wentz's head. Carson Wentz is a top 100 player. Carson Wentz is a top 10 quarterback. So I know he's a top 10 like Carson Wentz is in most of most people's top ten quarterbacks list, so I know he's a top one hundred player. <laughs> I know he's a top one hundred player. He's a, he, he's he's top ten in the most valuable in the most valuable position in the sport. How in the hell is he okay? Carson Wentz, if he's a top ten player at his position, which is the quarterback position. And the quarterback position is the most valuable position in the sport. Then how in the hell is he not a top 100 player in the entire sport? <laughs> how? How? He's in most of you guys' top 10. Now, now where, in his, where in his top 10? It varies. Because in my top 10, he's top 6. In some people's top 10... He, he, you know, he's at the bottom. He's at nine. He's at eight, nine, ten. But in my top ten, he's he's close to top five. He's closer to five than ten. He's at six for me. Behind Mahomes, Russell Wilson, Lamar, Aaron Rodgers, and Deshaun Watson, it's Carson Wentz. He's like he's right there. But regardless of where he is on your top ten, he's probably in your top ten. If he's top ten. On the most, if he's top ten at the most valuable position in football, then how is he not a top one hundred player in football? How? How? How sway? How? 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 How is that? But you know what it is. Players hold. They hold the the Nick Foles Super Bowl run. They hold that over Carson Wentz's head. They're gonna, and, and I'm, I'm sure there's media that does. Um, I'm sure that there's fans. I'm sure there's a lot of. I, I see it all the time. Oh boy, I see it all the time. I hear it all the time. 
People say I'm too high on Carson Wentz. I'm like, no, I'm not. But with let's let's first let's first dissect Carson Wentz. Uh, besides his rookie year, he's 25 and 15, so he wins enough games. Um, as far as a talent, he's 6'5 ish, 230, 235, 240, athletic, mobile, can escape, can extend plays. Um, I think he's you know with his arm talent and the different arm angles and the different throws he can make. Um, I think he's second to Patrick Mahomes when it comes into like different arm angles and throwing the ball and like you know precision passing. He's probably third or second to Aaron Rodgers. You, you know you you Aaron Rodgers fanboys, y'all love that guy, and I, I like him too. But Carson Wentz, let's like the talent is not a problem. He wins enough games. We're, we're, like what happened last year? We're, like we're, whoever made like the players that didn't you know like were your TV screens broke? Were you, I mean, because were we watching the same game? Because during the last stretch of the season, Carson Wentz, like, literally, like, I'm not even playing. I'm not over-exaggerating. You might, you guys may think I'm exaggerating like this. Oh, I'm dragging this out. I'm reaching. I'm not reaching. Carson Wentz literally carried. He put the Eagles on his back. Literally. He put the Eagles on his back. Into the into the playoffs, he carried them. He was throwing to he was throwing to lawn he was throwing to lawn chairs and it was throwing, he was throwing to lawn chairs and screwdrivers. I mean, he was throwing to anybody's anybody's. We did we, these guys were literally off the street, and he was winning games. He was winning games with these players and won a division, and also not only won a division. He came back and won the division because for the most of the year, for, for most of the year, the Cowboys had the lead in the division. But no, Carson Wentz won the division, won game, who won a lot of games late in the year with lawn chairs and deck furniture. And he's not a top 100 player. In that whole Super Bowl year, that the 2017 Eagles. Carson Wentz did get them home field advantage. Carson Wentz was the MVP before he got hurt. I mean, like, we just, we just totally, we just totally just remove, we just forget about that. We just forget about that. But with Nick Foles, first of all, and, I, you know, I don't want to sound like a Nick Foles hater because I, I, he's a pretty good quarterback. He's good for what he is. He's good for what his role is. But Nick Foles... He has these type of years all the time. The when when, he, when Nick Foles took over for Carson Wentz, Nick Foles had a good first game, and then down the stretch, all the way up to the up to the Super Bowl, Nick Foles was mediocre. Nick Foles was mediocre throughout the playoffs when he played against Atlanta, Minnesota. He was mediocre. He was okay. He had okay performances, and then in the Super Bowl, he played well. He played. He had a good. He had a good game. But Nick Foles lacks consistency. He lacks consistency. One one game. One game. One game. He has a. He has a great game. The next week, he has an okay game. The next week, I mean, he look. He don't even look like a starter. And then the following week after that, he has another good game. That's what you call inconsistency. And the elite quarterbacks in this league, usually in the like, like, like taking taking account for Russell Wilson, in a 16-game season, out of those 16 games, Russell Wilson one like one one or two weeks, Russell Wilson might have he might have one or two bad weeks where nothing is going right. The weather is probably not right. Uh, the weather, the weather, the weather is messy. He's missing throws. You know, he has probably one or two weeks in sixteen weeks. He has like one or two bad weeks in sixteen weeks. But for the majority of the of the season, for the for fourteen to fifteen weeks, Russell Wilson is going to be Russell Wilson, and you don't have to second question, oh, what is Russell Wilson going to look like this week? No, you don't have to second question that. He's going to look good. He's going to look like himself. With Nick Foles, 
That is the complete opposite. One week, he looks good. The next week, he looks poor. Then then the following week after that, he looks like the second coming of Jesus Christ. And then the next week after that, he looks like a backup. It's consistency with Nick Foles that he struggles with. And I, I just never understood. Yes, I give him credit. I give him credit where credit's due. I don't typically like to give out credit because I'm not Visa or MasterCard or none of that. But, you know, I give him credit where credit's due. He won a Super Bowl, and he played really well against the Patriots. But that speaks to my point. Because <laughs> against Atlanta, he was not good. I mean, he was mediocre. He was mediocre versus Atlanta. In that, in that divisional game, he was mediocre. <laughs> in the Super Bowl, he, was, he had a pretty good game. And that's, that's pretty inconsistent to me. That's pretty inconsistent. And that's what Nick Foles is. That's why he went, when he went to Jacksonville, downhill. As <laughs> soon as he went to Jacksonville, it went downhill. I mean, he, he stepped foot into Florida, downhill. That, it, I mean, it went downhill as soon as, as, soon as the ink dried on, his, on, on the signing. When he signed, as soon as that ink dried, it went downhill. So I don't know how in the hell Carson Wentz didn't make top 100 list because you shouldn't hold that Nick Foles Super Bowl run over him. You shouldn't hold that over him because he got the whole field advantage. He was the MVP that year. Philadelphia was the best team that year. Simple as that. Stop holding that against him. Um, so Jimmy Garoppolo, and, I'm the, and he made the top 100 list, but... Um, the GMs, the, I mean, not GMs, executives around the league voted, they did, they, they voted Jimmy Garoppolo as a tier three quarterback. Now this, this is an annual rankings that they do of the tiering of the quarterback with different quarterback tiers, tier one, tier two, tier three. And, um, cart, I mean, Jimmy Garoppolo was at tier three. And I'm here to disagree with that. <laughs> I'm here to disagree with that. Because often, like I do with Carson Wentz, I often have to defend Jimmy Garoppolo. And too often um, with Jimmy Garoppolo, you know, since the Super Bowl, people have given him this bad rep because he had a bad fourth quarter in the Super Bowl. And I understand. Like, it's the Super Bowl. It's the biggest sporting event in I mean, in the world, probably. It's one of the bigger sporting events in the world. Um, I, I get it. But it was against Patrick Mahomes. It was against Andy Reid. I mean, yes, he should have made that throw. Um, but he, as a, for a first-year starter, he got to the Super Bowl. <laughs> as a first-year starter. He, I mean, this is, this is technically his first year as a starting quarterback and he got to the Super Bowl. <laughs> Just let that sink in. And was very close to winning it all against the league's best, best quarterback in football. It, it was, I mean, Patrick Mahomes, we, we talk so we talk so great of Patrick Mahomes. <laughs> but Jimmy Garoppolo was yay close to beating him in the Super Bowl. And Mahomes didn't have the greatest game any either way. He didn't have to get. He had the greatest game in the Super Bowl, but he won it. We got. He got a lot of praise. Everybody loved Mahomes. We we love Mahomes. I love Mahomes. I congratulate him. I talk well of him. But Jimmy Garoppolo lost the Super Bowl. We we bang on Jimmy Garoppolo. We I mean he had a bad he had a bad fourth quarter. Mahomes had a bad first three quarters. <laughs> we praise Mahomes because he won it, of course, as we should. But we banged on Garoppolo because he had one bad fourth quarter. But look at this. Look at this. As a first year, this is as a first year starter. These are his numbers. Jimmy Garoppolo. He was tied for first with wins. He had 13 wins. That was tied for first. And then he was top five in these following categories. Complete percentage. Fourth, fourth quarter comebacks. Fourth quarter game-winning drives or overtime. Passing touchdowns and passer rating. 
He was top five in all of those categories. Those are some big-time categories, too. Complete percentage, uh, comebacks, game-winning drives, passing touchdowns, and passer rating. Those are some pretty good stats, and he's top five. And he was top five in all of those categories last year, and he was he was number one in comebacks, and it was tied for first in comebacks and tied for first with game-winning drives. So he, he, he had a pretty good year, <laughs> needless to say. He had a pretty good damn year. So, you know, the, you know, the, other, the other excuse is, well, he, he, has a, he has Kyle Shanahan. He has a great coach. What, what, I mean, excuse me, excuse me, but what Hall of Fame level quarterback hasn't had a great coach? <laughs> like, we always have, oh, Brady has Belichick. Uh, Garoppolo, he, 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 has, he, he has Kyle Shanahan. Mahomes, he has Andy Reid. Um, please name me the Hall of Fame quarterback that has not had a great coach. I'll wait. <laughs> I'll wait. Name me the Hall of Fame quarterback that was winning a bunch of Super Bowls or just a Hall of Fame quarterback in general that didn't have a Hall of Fame coach. Joe Montana had Bill Walsh. <laughs> John Elway, had, had, he, had his, he had Kyle Shanahan's father. He had Mike Shanahan. <laughs> Terry Bradshaw had Chuck Noll. <laughs> Troy Aikman had Jimmy Johnson. What Hall of Fame quarterback did not have a great coach? Dan Marino had Don Shula. What, I mean, p- please, name him. Name him. N- name the Hall of Fame quarterback that didn't have a great coach. Who? Name him. Look at, look at the Hall of Fame quarterbacks and tell me if they didn't have a great coach or not. Who? <laughs> I mean, Dan Fouts had Don Coriel. <laughs> like, so there's no... There, uh, Russell Wilson has Pete Curl. There's no Hall of Fame-level quarterback that, doesn't, that didn't have a great coach. Simple as that. Peyton Manning won his first Super Bowl with who? Tony Dungy. So, so, so when, when, when you're talking about Hall of Fame-level quarterbacks, of course they're going to have great coaches because most of them do. Most of them have had great coaches. <laughs> Most of them had great coaches. So when people say, oh, Jimmy Garoppolo has Kyle Shanahan. He's a good coach. Yeah. <laughs> Tom Brady has Bill Belichick. Russell Wilson has Pete Curl. Troy Aikman had Jimmy Johnson. <laughs> all of them have great, all of them have great coaches. But the thing is with Jimmy G, and I, and I, I, know, I know what it is. I know, what, I know exactly what it is. I know what it is. You know, the media. I know what it is with Jimmy Garoppolo. It's very similar to the situation in Seattle. uh, Russell Wilson's first, like, three years. Russell Wilson, when he came into the league and he was young, he was a young quarterback, he didn't have to be an elite playmaker. He didn't have to be elite. The Seattle Seahawks didn't, they didn't need that. All they need, with that defense and their running game, they didn't need Russell Wilson to make great plays. They didn't need him to make these plays that, is not, that he's now making. They just needed a game manager that wouldn't turn the ball over and that can make plays on third down. That's, the, that's what the Seahawks needed. Russell Wilson gave them that. And he's, he, has, he has now exceeded those parameters. But with Jimmy Garoppolo, that is often what we talk about. Jimmy Garoppolo, we all, when, when we're talking about the 49ers, we talk about Kyle Shanahan, we talk about their defense, we talk about their D-line, and then we squeeze in Jimmy Garoppolo. And that's, what, that's the same situation Russell Wilson was in his first three years. And there's nothing wrong with that, but the 49ers, I th- I, and, and with Garoppolo, I think he's a tier two. I think he's a bottom tier two. I, don't think, I think he's a little bit better than tier three. Because Tier 3, he's, in, he's with guys like Baker and Sam Darnold. And there's no disrespect to those guys. But I think Jimmy Garoppolo, he's in, he's in, he's in Tier 2. I think he's a Tier 2 quarterback. Um, he's good, not great, not spectacular, not elite. But I think that's what it is. I, I think I, I, I'm quite positive. I'm quite sure 
That that's what it that's what it is. When we talk about the 49ers, we think of their D-line, we think of Kyle Shanahan, we think of their defense. Then we squeeze in Jimmy Garoppolo. And he hasn't he has, they they haven't called him to be elite. They don't need him to be elite. They got a great old line. They got a good running game. They got Kyle Shanahan. They they got a great defense. They they don't they they quite frankly they didn't need Jimmy Garoppolo to be elite. They didn't. He had some great games last year, like that New, that New Orleans game. He had a great game. He had a, I mean he had a terrific game against the Saints in the dome. He had a great game. That was a game where he needed to step up and make plays. The Ram, one of those the, the Rams game late in the season. He made some big throws. He made some big plays. He had a good game that game. He had a good game. But they haven't called Jimmy Garoppolo to be elite because they, quite frankly, they, they haven't needed they, they didn't need him to be elite last year. For them to win, for 49ers to win, they didn't need him to be elite. They just needed him to be a guy that didn't turn over the ball, make plays on third downs, be be efficient, be effective. That's what he was. He was it was that all it was all of that last year. And with them getting to the Super Bowl and him, I mean, damn near yay close to winning it. I think he's a tier two quarterback. You know, I I think he's a tier two quarterback, and I put him on my top ten list. But like I said, once again, he was on my top ten list. But he was what nine? I think I, I had I had Garoppolo at nine, so he was like he was borderline top ten for me. He had, I had him at nine. So you know, I, 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 in Garoppolo, he's not overly athletic. His his play style, his game is not exciting. It's not a, he's not as exciting and electrifying as Lamar. He doesn't have the cannon arm like Carson Wentz and Patrick Mahomes. You know, he's he's not a he he doesn't extend plays and he's not as elusive as Deshaun Watson and Russell Wilson. He doesn't have the swagger like Aaron Rodgers. But Jimmy Garoppolo is a tier two quarterback. He, he's a tier two quarterback. Simple as that. Simple as that. He's a tier two quarterback. You know, you know, people don't like Jimmy, but he's a tier two quarterback. Simple as that. He's a tier two quarterback. Um, I'm gonna take a quick break, um, real quick. I'm gonna play you guys some music. Uh, now I'll be back after this short break. you guys um I, I have to admit watching the MLB a little bit this weekend so I, I, I watched the NBA scrimmages I watched some of the MLB and I was really impressed I was really impressed how the MLB um like like the rule changes the rule changes I already see examples of the rule changes where it's 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 been great it's been great so with the extra innings rule change so um, a couple games went into extra innings this weekend, and that you know the new rule was implemented. Uh, you know after the ninth inning, you know going into extra innings, there would be a runner placed on second base. Teams can place a runner at second base, and that's that's supposedly that's supposed to like fad like quicken you know hurry up the pace. Because you don't want to see a 16-inning baseball game. Both of those games that went into extra innings, a couple of those games that went, they, they were over by the tenth inning. So that was so that you know, just little changes and minor tweaks like that, I think has improved the game. As a fan of it, I I liked it. I, I liked the I liked it pretty much. Um, like I said, I watched some NBA scrimmages. Um, the presentation I think will only get better as we as we head into some serious games because now <laughs> there's gonna be some serious games. There there are gonna be serious games played um, because Thursday 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 night you got the Pelicans, you have the Clippers. I think the Clippers and the Lakers play each other, and the Pelicans play the Jazz. 
Um, so that that you know that's gonna be interesting because people want to see if the Pelicans get the eighth spot. Can they make a can they make a fight for the eighth spot? Um, and the Clippers and Lakers, you know, that's that's that that you know you know what that is that that that's a goodie. That is a goodie. That's the Western Conference Finals that everybody wants. Hell, that might be the NBA championship that everybody wants. The Clippers and the Lakers, and I think that I think that um. That matchup, I can't wait to see. I know there's a report um, reporting Anthony Davis doubtful for that game due to eye discomfort. So I don't know how much, like, I don't know how much I can weigh on, you know, on that game. But I, I, I want to see it. I can't wait to see it. It's going to be, a, it's going to be refreshing of seeing some serious, meaningful basketball being played. So I can't wait for that. But um. <clears throat> I'm gonna end the talk. I'm gonna end. I'm gonna end this podcast with this. So the top 100 list that everybody's going crazy over. Of, I'm going to break it down. I'm gonna. I, I picked out a couple players that I've been seeing on. You know that landed on this list. I'm gonna tell you if they're too high, too low, or or if it's just right. I'm gonna tell you that right now. Okay, so I have a cup. I have several players, several examples right here. Of this list, this list is <laughs> this list is not good at all. If you're looking for a top 100 list, please do not look to this one. Please do not use this as a recommendation. Um, if you're gonna, I mean, it's a bad one. It it, it it's bad. So uh, let's just go down the list that I have right here in front of me. Uh, they had Levante David at 89. That is way too low. I can make the argument that Levante David is a top. Five linebacker in football. Like, you can't be top five in your position and be 89. No, 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 no. Devontae, Levante David is, he, he, he should be mm, top, maybe top 55. Top 55, top 60 player. Um, 89 is, is absurdly too low. It is too low. Um... They had Ryan Tannehill at 68. Ryan Tannehill at 68. No way on God's green earth should he be 68. Get the hell out of here. Um, and let, he hasn't started all 16 games in four years. Um, Tennessee in the playoffs last year, they took the ball out of his hands. He threw for a hundred, he threw for less than a hundred yards. And no touchdowns in a playoff win. He, he he's not a, he's not a top sixty eight player in in football. He's not. <laughs> he's not. He shouldn't be. He, he's not a top one hundred player in, in in football. He should not be on this list. Um, Jarvis Landry at sixty one. I think he's too low. I think by, I, I I think he's too low. I think Jarvis Landry should be a, a bit higher. He's a volume receiver. He's efficient. You can count on him on a weekend, 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 week out basis to get you seven, eight catches, 80, 90 yards, and a touchdown. I, 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 you, you, he's, he's very dependable. I think he's one of the more underrated receivers in football. I guess because he's, he, he played in Miami. Now he's playing with Odell. He's playing with Baker. They take up a lot of the headlines. But I think Jarvis Landry is one of the more underrated receivers in football. Um, he's productive. He's highly consistent. He, he he's efficient. He's a volume receiver. Is that he's a ninety catch receiver on a yearly basis? It's proven. He he he's that. He's a ninety catches guy. He's a ninety catch season. He's a ninety catch season guy. He's uh he's a guy that can get you eight catches on a weekly basis. I think he's a little too low. I think he's. I think sixty-one is too low for Jarvis Landry. Kirk Cousins at fifty-eight. See what I'm saying? Kirk Cousins at fifty-eight. No way in hell should be, he should be fifty-eight. He is not a top sixty player. I, and I like Kirk Cousins. You know, I, I think Kirk Cousins. He catches a lot of flack and rightfully so. But he can't beat playoff teams. Kirk Cousins. He is four and twenty in versus playoff teams. I don't care if you beat the Lions. I don't care if you beat the Giants. Those teams are bad. Those are bad teams. But he struggles. He's never. He's zero and nine in Monday Night Football games. 
and he's 4-20 and 20 against playoff teams. Yeah, he has good stats. Who cares? Ma- Jameis Winston had good stats. Matthew Stafford has good stats. They're not top 10 quarterbacks. Kirk, Kirk Cousins should not be 58. He is way too high. He is too high. He is too high. He should be like in the 90 range. He should be in that 90 range. He shouldn't be 58. Um, Devontae Adams, another one. He was at 57. That is, that's too low. I think Devontae Adams is a top, I think he's a top 45 player in the NFL. He's consistent on a weekly basis. Actually, since he's entered the league in 2016, he has the most touch. He has, he has the most receiving touchdowns at 40. He has the most receiving touchdowns since he's entered the league in 2016, which is 40. And I know it helps to play with Aaron Rodgers. That you know that that's a big help. But Aaron, Aaron Rodgers have had a lot. He's had a lot of good receivers, but Devont, they're not as talented as Devontae Adams. He's a big play guy. He can be. He's very explosive. Um, he's consistent. I consistent. He's consistently. Efficient. That's what I like about Devontae Adams. He catches a lot of touchdowns. Um, he should be higher than 57. Uh, Todd Gurley at 51. He was too low. He's Todd Gurley is too high. Todd Gurley from two, three years ago? Todd Gurley two, three years ago was a top 20 player in the NFL. But now, he shouldn't be 51. Todd Gurley should not be 51. Guess how many 100-yard rushing games he had last year? Zero. And for the last three years, his yards per curry has gone down. Todd Gurley's for the last three years, his yards per curry and yards per game has gone down. He's He hasn't really aged tremendously well. Um, and I know a lot of players like him around the league. And he, he's, he has a lot of talent. But the last few years, he, he just hasn't been good. He hasn't been good and he hasn't been healthy. I think that's a big part of it. He has not he has not been healthy and I think he's a little too I think he's way too high. I 51, I think he is too high. He had 0 100-yard rushing games last year. It's as simple as that. I think he's too high. Um Amari Cooper at 49. I think once again, I think I, I I hate to sound like the bad guy, but Amari Cooper is too high. Amari Cooper should not be 49. He should not be 49. Amari Cooper should not be 49. He's not even top five at his position. I think sometimes when he play when he plays against the better corners in the league, I think sometimes he underperforms and he he kind of disappears and fade away into the like I don't know where he goes at certain points. Um, but I think I think 49 is too high. Um, Jimmy Garoppolo at 43. I think that's about right. I think that's about right. I think that's about right. Jimmy Garoppolo at 43, I think, is just fine. I'm fine with that. He's confident. He um, His numbers were pretty good last year. I mean, they, they, they were tops. I, I mean, and I, I read the stats out to you guys. In, in, in major categories, Jimmy Garoppolo was top five in just about all of them. He had a good year last year. I don't think one bad quarter should, should just... Should just just like that should that shouldn't be the stamp. Like just because he had one bad quarter should not be the stamp of him being of him not being a good quarterback or him not being the top ten quarterback. And I think he's a top forty five player in the league. I think he is. Um, Clowney at forty one. Once again, Clowney is a highlight guy. He's too high. Clowney is too high. Clowney is not consistent on a week in week out basis. When I'm thinking of top 40 players, I'm thinking of guys that are that are like I'm thinking of your Ronnie Stanleys, your Aaron Donalds, your Russell Wilsons, Travis Kelsey. Those I'm thinking those guys. Those guys, Zach Martin. Those guys are consistent on a week in, week out basis. And with Clowney, he's a highlight guy. He's a highlight guy. He has I mean he has a he has a great line of highlights. But he's missed 27 games, so he's 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 struggled to stay healthy. And get this: in the 13 games that he played last year with the Seahawks, he had three sacks, three sacks. So he's not really productive. He's a highlight guy. He's a high, he's a walking highlight reel. And I think 41 is just too much. 
So, you know, that's just a sample size of that terrible list um, that, uh, that everybody's been talking about on social media and all the media members are coming out and attacking that list. That is just that is just a bare minimum of it. That's just part of it. That list is not good. But that is going to be um, I'm going to wrap this bad boy, this puppy up real quick. So thank you guys for tuning in to another episode of the IKP episode 140, episode 140. I'm going to get you guys out of here. Um, this is a great pod today. Um, you know, we got the NBA back, uh, some meaningful games, the regular season games. Then we got the postseason uh, that uh, everybody's waiting for. I'm waiting for it. Everybody's waiting for it. So I cannot wait for that. Um, always remember two choices, one decision. Uh, you guys have a blessed one. You guys continue to stay health, stay healthy. Uh, wear your mask. It's required in my city that I live in, D.C. It is required, and you could actually get fined if you're not wearing a mask and you're out in the public. So wear your mask. Stay healthy. Stay in the house, or you know, if you are paranoid, stay in the house. Don't go out for the, you know, don't go out to other events and all that good stuff. <laughs> um, but um, this has been great. This has been a great pod. Thank you guys for tuning in once again. Peace, deuces, I'm out. I, I bid you guys adieu.